This is gonna be fucking fun. Major League A-Holes in the Hole, sponsored by Revolution Brewing. You're Pete. <laughs> and I'm Pete, by the way, for those. I, I just assume everyone knows who I am at this point. That's Pete. I'm Ryan. I don't know if anyone <laughs> knows us. But uh, yes, welcome to Major League A-Holes in the Hole, presented by Revolution Brewing. This is episode 91. It's been a couple weeks since almost nothing has happened in baseball, thank you, owners. Thank you, players. Thank you, everybody. Uh, but we do have a little bit to talk about this week. We've got a tiny, tiny bit of lockout news to talk about. Pathetic lockout news. Uh, we've got some White Sox news to, to talk talk about. And you've got some speculation on what they might do at second base. Uh, John Lester retired for my Chicago Cubs 2016 World Champions, as I'm wearing the shirt today. Uh, and we have, of course, asshole of the week. Don't you worry. We found an asshole of the week. So it, it, it gets, it gets, it's pretty easy. These days. shit writes itself, kids. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty. That is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents this week in baseball well lockout day 49 is starting today uh, all right had a little bit of news last week where the players and owners decided to actually talk for the first time in six weeks uh it was 43 days on day 43 they decided yeah. to talk yeah so they it was all that talk was identical to all the previous talks to December 2nd, where the owners sent a proposal that was most likely ridiculous. I never saw the actual details, but the the reports were that the players were very disappointed and summarily rejected it, of course. So not surprising. Uh, what's just annoying and I guess shouldn't be surprising with all this is. Again, we keep stating this. The, the stated goal of the owners choosing to start this lockout, and I will say this over and over again, we did not have to have this lockout. This was sim- There was no legal mechanism that was requiring a lockout. This was simply a decision by Rob Manford and the owners. Ro- the owners and their lawyer, Rob Manford, uh, decided to lock out with the stated goal of being to uh, kickstart negotiations, you know, sen- essentially light a fire under both sides to create a sense of urgency. Done, done and, a great job. Yeah, and they immediately went on vacation for six weeks. So, well done, Rob and owners. Uh, you have failed, summarily failed in your goal. Uh, that is obviously bullshit. That was not their goal. Uh, I don't goal! Know what, I mean, that may have been their goal, but they were very misguided. Uh, as we all knew, this is what was going to happen. So we're essentially at, at square one. Uh, nothing has changed since, I mean, in the last three years, essentially. Um, the, the good news, I guess, would be we are not in crunch time yet. And that's why that's why we're seeing the same bullshit for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, seven weeks into the lockout. 
we talked about this a little bit the timeline where things get things get shit gets real in this is essentially the first week of february or two weeks away before uh spring training might be affected by this lockout and once spring training is affected that's where you get into when the regular season could be affected and that's when the shit hits the fan so we're, we're still a couple weeks away from defcon 5 or defcon 1 however that scale works um I mean, I guess it's a reason for panic at that point. I don't know if we, I don't know. Maybe we should decide if we're going to panic or uh, have a wry smile when this starts to get into panic mode as the rest of the world is panicking. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my reaction is going to be is. I mean, I'm definitely going to be angry as things go on and just as most fans will be. Uh, Or are we just going to be indifferent? Are we just going to be rolling our eyes at this point? I think the stupid part to all this is the whole idea that nothing really gets done until it gets down to the wire. Every article I've read over and over again about this is none of this should be surprising. Nothing really gets done until the 11th hour. Okay. Well, why it's, it's, it's human nature. I think is part of that. I don't think this is specific to baseball labor negotiations. I think this is how all labor negotiations work. They're, they're, they're waiting till the other blanks is, is what it comes down to, which is, just it's just stupid it's short-sighted it's self it's self-involved it is not taking the the best interest of baseball in mind it's taking the best interest of the owners and the best interest of the players and not thinking about the 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 health of the game itself or the fans that's one thing we haven't talked a whole lot about is and it's it's futile is is why i haven't brought it up much but you know the fans i almost feel like the fans deserve a seat at this table i mean which is ludicrous but the only reason they get to have these negotiations is because fight, fight over billions of dollars is because it's our fucking money. Yes. So we're, wh- we're funding this. So like, get it done. We, we are going to pay to see you play unless yes. we are so angry. Unless we are just so angry again well, that, at baseball that, that you, that, that they shoot themselves in the foot. Now, history would say, cause a lot of these owners have been there, including the white Sox owner, uh, back in 94 when mm-hmm. baseball took a hit like a rather prominent owner in those negotiations yes right and you would think they would be like we can't really f- afford that financially again so they can they absolutely can that's the problem i mean that that's where this this gets dark because the, and this is why owners always win these in the end, it, you know, whether it's it's the margin of victory is, is what changes with all these negotiations. The owners always win. They've got the money to wait this out. They they almost tried to, you know, they, they were negotiating for fewer games throughout 2020. That's all they wanted a, the, the least number of games to pay people because they, it doesn't matter. They could they could survive. They could have survived that season without any games. They survived it with 60 games. They can survive. They can survive this season without playing any games. That's what's terrifying. That they they might get to the point where they just are so bullheaded and stubborn that they just wipe out the whole season and just say, "Hey, we're going to have lower attendance for three to five years after this," as people are uh, summarily rejecting baseball as an entertainment form. But they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna uh, bet on diehards like you and me across the country eventually you know if we don't come back immediately that we will come back eventually and they wow. have the coffers they have the money they have the war chest to to wait this out players do not and that yeah. that is why the players are doomed 
to it's just like I said, it's the You're margin of victory. That, yeah, it's the margin of victory that they're going to lose by. The margin of victory for the owners. The, 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 the players are hoping to get some gains back from how how trounced they have been over the last several labor negotiations and CBAs. That, that's they're finally putting their foot down and saying we fucked up, especially in the last one six years ago. So they're going to try and get gains back, but it's a matter of who's how stubborn each side is going to be is is what it comes down to. So, boy, that got dark fast. But we're we're not again we're not to that point yet. You know, if if even, you know, if we get into February, I'm not too, too torn up about losing some spring training games. Um, if they have to shorten spring training a little bit to accommodate this shit show uh, and but keep the regular season on schedule, I'm, I think I'm fine with that. I think all all fans are fine with that. Although I did see the the I've been getting a barrage of emails from the Cubs and Tigers saying they are now selling spring training tickets. Yeah, I, I got the White Sox one. I think I texted you that as like, oh, all right, well, hey, good news. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. It's gonna happen. Yeah, I got a I got a notice for tickets. Well, I can tell. I mean, part of my part of my real job is uh, making signage and other things for a few different spring training facilities in Florida and Arizona, and we're proceeding as normal. I mean, you have to you have to assume that they'll get this done. So. I know the business side of it is proceeding as things are happening. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I think we'll probably do this show every couple of weeks now. As, you know, news is going to be ramping up one way or the other. As, as every, like you said, every everything I've read shows that, you know, there's no reason to get, get antsy about this until February. And we're just under two weeks from February. So that that's where we're going to see a lot more consternation. I'm, I'm hoping... We're going to see a lot more meetings. I have not seen another meeting scheduled after that uh, one we had last week. Well, so this morning, Heyman okay. reported that th- they're giving a proposal, a player proposal is going back to the owners oh, okay. this that's, week in that's the next huge. few days. Because yes. all I've seen is that the players just keep rejecting what the owners show. Yeah, I mean, basically the owners left again, you know, the key key things they wanted to talk about off the table. They brought mm-hmm. in, they brought in expanded playoffs, universal DH, yeah. um, shortening, uh, a, a pain, a two year player more, um, than, than they get paid now without having to deal with the arbitration process. But okay. why would, but why would you yeah. want to get rid of the arbitration process when you could probably get even more money if, if your, if your stats, I think uh, produce we should, that. I think we should break that kind of stuff down once those are more concrete. Because yeah, that that shit gets really complicated. Um, the the economic. I hadn't heard anything about the that they were even talking about core economic issues or that the players were going to be proposing anything. But that that's the crux of it. That the, you know the arbitration and how quickly you can get to free agency. Um, those those are the issues the players are are most yeah. interested in where the owners wouldn't even talk about that prior to this, which is unreal. Like they're plugging their closing their eyes and plugging their ears. La 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 la. We're not going to hear any of this. I mean, that's literally how I feel these, these well, I, have been going so far. Part of it's because the owner said it's not even on the table. That's what I mean. Which, which is like, that's a, that's the same you, as, as your, as a five-year-old child. Just yeah. <laughs> saying, eh. just starting to scream at the top of their lungs, not listening to anything they're saying. It's like, what are we doing here, children? Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, 
I think that's plenty of lockout talk for this week. As lockout. Said, there's going to be a lot. There's going to be lots. It's going to be ramping up as we approach February. So that'll be, <laughs> I don't know about fun, but it'll be interesting to be talking about going forward. But you've got some white new white socks news to talk about. <laughs> yeah, here. white socks, not just white news. White, white news. socks news. <laughs> we left the key word out of there. White socks news. Uh, yeah, we had uh, the socks got uh, Oscar uh, uh, Colas uh, from Cuba in the international. Keyword too. Colas. Colas in uh, the number five international prospect. It was kind of a done deal. We talked about it like. Months ago, he I thought you wearing... and I talked about this a long time ago, and it was, yeah. he was already signed. So I was well, kind of like, what? he's been wearing White Sox gear on social media for like three months now. So snazzy gear. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I mean, outside has he got the Southside collection on, or what's he, uh, what's he, he, he you know, he's just sporting some, yeah, some socks, some you know, general, you know, his hat and, and stuff. And uh, you know, they signed him, uh, not a surprise. They got another Cuban player on their team that's the Cuban pipeline. The Cuban pipeline, he can play all three outfield positions. So that's good news. I'm he, guessing he's in his mid teens. Uh, I mean, is he really, he's got to be really yeah, young, isn't he? Yeah, he's in his, uh, no, uh, late. Uh, he played in Japan, actually, oh. this past 18 season. Or 19. Yeah. And um, this is the funny thing. You know, he's originally billed as the Cuban Otani, but has since ditched the pitching side of things to focus on. Um, just playing the outfield. Uh, so Probably people good. have finally stopped. How many, to him. How many next Otanis are we going to well, hear about? It's just funny that it, when it was brought up like three, four months ago when we first talked about it, when you actually read the article, the headline was Socks to get Cuban Otani. And then when you read the <laughs> article, it was, well, not really because he doesn't pitch anymore. So it was. It was just hilarious, erroneous, basically. Yeah. He's got a great arm. He's probably going to be a corner infielder, obviously, because he's got such a great arm. And, and, and that's that. You know, he's got to put on muscle and stuff like that, but that'll call come over time. So uh, good news. They, you know, they got the guy they targeted. They, that seems to be, they seem to be able to, to do that um, year after year, especially if it's someone coming out of Cuba. So yeah. Um, so that's done. And, and maybe not so good news. Uh, one Dylan C says has switched agents and is now part of the Boris uh, group. So we'll see how that affects negotiations down the road for Dylan Cease and the White Sox. Although Boris has Dallas Keuchel, who the Sox were able to negotiate with and get him on his team, good or bad at this point. Uh, I think the White Sox are in a different state now that where like the old Kenny days where he wouldn't deal with them. I think Rick Hahn does not have a problem in dealing with them. So yeah, I, I think the whole Scott Boris thing is way overblown. I mean, it's it's by definition, an agent works for the player. It's not the other way around. The player gets what they want out of Boris, not Boris getting what he wants out of the player. So I think. Scott Boris loves this because his brand has been built to the to such a point where he's the the arch enemy of all owners and the the hero of all players. So that helps him sign more clients. So I I, I wouldn't I don't think there's any material change in how in how White Sox need to feel about the future of Dylan Cease with the White Sox. Um, 
I, I think it's much, it's, it's a lot of bluster more than anything. Um, I guess it's kind of a strange timing why that's being announced right now, like in the middle of a lockout that, that players are changing agents. I thought that was a, a, at least interesting uh, as, you know, obviously the, it's an uncertain landscape. So maybe, I don't know who his Cease's previous representation was, but um, it was probably, I mean, that's the, that's the thing you've never heard of most of the other agents. Scott right. Martin, exactly. Man, his brand obliterates all other sports, a- baseball agents. So um Good for Cease, I guess. I mean, I don't know how else to how else to interpret. I wouldn't think that means, like you said. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf has found a way to negotiate deals with Scott Boris clients now, so I think that's probably a thing of the past that it would be any issue. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, much of an issue. Um, but issues, uh, you know, we do have an issue. We we have an issue at second base with the White oh, Sox, and nice and uh, you and I. Uh, had a discussion about this like really let's be let's be realistic and we got into this in the last episode none of the none of the shortstop free agents are going to move over to second and asking anderson to move over to second isn't a good idea and just, probably having mankata move back to second is is just a silly idea too so what is most likely to happen since there's not like really free agent second baseman out there anymore is something the white Sox. uh would love to do and that would be work out a trade with someone and you've got, you've got the trade capital to do that that's that's why i think there's so much more logic to a trade for to fill your second base need than anything else and there are seven i have targeted out of, wow. out, of out of the teams uh the the 30 teams in 30 right are we 30 yeah we're 30 teams we're 30. in baseball yeah 30 teams in baseball not 32 yet not we're gonna yet. get there we're gonna get there though we might be talking about that in a couple weeks actually yeah so 30 Expansion. Expansion, more money, um, um, more logos, team names. That's the shit I love, and a, a new a new aesthetic segment. Might oh. <laughs> uh, everyone be on the edge of your <laughs> seats until, until that to that announcement occurs. But if you if you are if you are lacking in 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 your aesthetics, uh, if you're missing it, folks, you could always tune into the our football podcast, Limp Ditkas. Uh, because uh, Smitty's covered some uniform stuff on there. If you're mm. really missing the aesthetics end of it, so tune into Actually, that. You can get the aesthetics, the special aesthetics podcast. the The segment itself has been broken into a podcast. Oh, anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. Yeah, there you go. So tune in and get <laughs> get all the get all the deets on the hottest clothing items out there. But <laughs> in uniform wear. Thank you, but we digress. Okay. Anyway, so there are. As there are teams that that have an abundance of middle infielders mm. that happen during the trade fury, the the signing fury, uh, um, a few months ago, first. prior for prior to December first, and there's also teams that are w- looking to probably move some players because they're in final. McNeil. Jeff McNeil from the Mets. Yeah, I keep doing that. Sorry, Jeff McNeil. So what's going on there? The Mets, after they lost Javi Baez, signed Escobar out of Arizona. You know, he was supposed to Eduardo Escobar. That's so strange because he was already on the White Sox. I mean, just just ask Bob. Just ask Bob. Bob Nightingale. Thank you. Also lurking in the shadows coming in off his PED suspension is Robinson Cano. Oh, so, wow. A blast from the past. I forgot about that guy. We forgot about that. 
So yikes! What what are you what are you gonna do with with Jeff McNeil? Um, he can play multiple positions, but the Mets are are, are pretty loaded up, uh, and they're loaded up with with high um, with costly salaries. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, they I think, are. I think this... they've got the highest highest payroll for 2022 already before they're even done assembling their roster. Here, here's the beauty of it because it's the New York mess, and I think they can fall into their own trap, and we can get a good deal out of this. Mm-hmm. McNeil's best season was 2019, which was the only season they actually utilized him as an everyday player. Wow his his play in the Mets since then has been as a backup utility sort of guy. He's never he's not been an everyday player. Okay. Twenty so. You know, they say, oh, his power numbers dipped. Well, yeah, he's not getting as many as bats. He only had like 400 and some at bats this past season, opposed mm. to to nearly. Oh, no. So I think there's an opportunity there. The Mets could use some pitching. The Sox have some pitching they can trade to them, um, as well as uh, some uh you know, prospects to help them refill that, that need. The other part of that is. And McNeil's Mc... controllable to 2025. Oh, wow. That, that sounds good to, for, for you guys. The other part of that is that, that Lindor and McNeil were the ones that had the famous fight over the rat versus raccoon in the dugout. So. Right. I mean, no, Lindor's was... not going anywhere. Yeah, Lindor has $341 million uh, holding him there in New York for the next 10-plus years, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that fight was not about rats and raccoons. There was, there was some shit going on there that came to the point where it was rumored that I think they were choking each other or had somebody up against the wall by the neck. Yeah, yeah not good. Uh, yeah, it, it's ugly. So there, there's there's lots of reasons that the, the Mets would be motivated uh, to get him out of there potentially, so... That's plausible. I like that. That's a plausible fit. The next is Gene Sugara from the Phillies. Mm. Now, why is this so wonderful? Well, the Phillies want a closer. We want a second baseman. The money's virtually Ooh. a wash. The money is a wash. Okay. It's it's 14.5 to Segura, and I think what was um Kimbrel 16, 16 or 17, 16, I think. 16, yeah. Yeah. And then the the plus side for the White Sox is he has an, a 2023 option for 17. So it's not like you're just getting them for this year and have yeah. to worry about like signing them. So right now, the to me, the two most plausible have they are coming out of the NL East to the White Sox in a, in a trade scenario. You'll be dealing with Diamond Dave Dombrowski, which the I, Phillies, which I feel like we've. Dave, we've dealt with Dave in the past, so yeah, nothing um, comes to mind. But I'm sure they have. Yeah, uh, something, some nothing. Well, did was Dave at was Dave there for the Mankata trade in Boston, mm. or is no. that no? no? That was before, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I think so. So that's my number two. Number three, maybe not quite as sexy, but very possible is David Fletcher on the angels because the angels are going to want to try to win while they have Otani and hopefully a helpful, healthy Mike Trout and they're in desperate need of, of pitching and um, the white Sox can certainly 
provide uh, some pitching uh, for them if that's needed. What's what's great ab- about this for the White Sox is, and and why it it'd be interesting to see if it could happen. But Fletcher is is only in year two of a five year deal for them, but they have other candidates that can play second base there. He had an off year this past year, so the Angels maybe sort of soured on him a little bit. So that is a possibility. Mm. Number four, we've talked about Glibber Torres from the Yankees. Wow. Word on the street, uh, you know, has been that the Yankees, the minute everything's figured out and, and, and everything opens back up, they're going to sign one of these shortstops that are left. Seems like they should be involved in that sweepstakes, but at that point, the Yankees have a plethora of middle infielders and the one they're least, uh, you know, the one they've soured on the most is, is Glibber Torres. Yeah. They've definitely consistent play. Yeah. They've definitely soured on him. So I've, I've heard that too. So that, that would be, that would be interesting. I would think that would take, quite a bit to get to get him off their hands uh potentially but who knows yeah uh it's it's it i don't know what i don't know what it would take i mean if if everyone believes that they're looking to move them you know that immediately we talked about this about the kimbrel thing too if words out that they want to get rid of a guy then it kind of devalues it a little bit a little, but they don't have to do anything. They're not in a position where they have to move him, so they could just say, "No, fine, yeah, fine, yeah, we walk away." Um, number five is is uh, your fucking A's, Tony Kemp. Whoa, Whoa. the a- the A's, you know, the A's not... are open for business. The A's are open that. for business. And what's even more compelling about this to me is how much business are they open to? Because I could see a big package deal here Mm. where the Sox fill not only a second base need, but they fill a right field need with Matt Olson. Wow. And some huge package that's that re restocks the A's farm system and, and, uh, and gives the Sox control over two players till 2024. So uh, you'd and, be and moving so, Olsen from first out to right field? Yeah, he's he plays the outfield uh, for the little, A's. Little. Yeah. Well, he's a first baseman. but he No, play. I know, yeah. Well, we love first baseman anyway. You do so. love your first baseman. He would be uh, – that would be a blockbuster. That's going to take a lot, though. I mean – Yeah. What but, would you be willing to give up for that kind of package? I mean, we probably you're probably looking at like you got to send like a Jake Berger in this package and uh, – Maybe some of the more higher ranked pitching prospects, Gavin like Sheets, we've, like we've done. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the question: Is it Gavin Sheets? Is it Andrew Vaughn? Who is it? Mm. You know. So, but I appreciate you're you're a White Sox fan that just doesn't say, "Well, give him a bunch of prospects." You know, nothing that hurts. I mean, most no, I mean, with, most I, people I mean, come up with these trade proposals and just say, "Oh, we'll just give him a bunch of prospects and we'll, we'll get give exactly them, who we we'll want. give them ten guys ranked from uh, fifty down. <laughs> yeah. They'll love it." Yeah, these trades hurt. I mean, that's why they don't yeah. happen every day. So if you if you want something good, well, you're gonna have to give up something good back. And unless you were trading with the Cubs this past offseason, then okay. it didn't okay. hurt too bad. That's true. Uh, number six, something that's long been rumored, and he's in the final year of his contract. Whit Merrifield uh, from the Royals. He's he's uh, six point five million dollar deal this year. 
They've got Bobby Witt Jr., who's they've pegged to be the everyday second baseman there. Witt Merrifield's the batting champion, isn't he? Or up up close to that? I mean, he he's been the, one of the more coveted center infielders in in baseball for years since the Royals have been shitty for so many years yeah, now. But we know how the Royals work, and mm. they're probably not going to pay him the no. necessary money to keep him. Mm, so why not get something for him? Of course, they oh, could yeah. just sit on him till the trade deadline too, and and do it that way. So possibility again i put that at number six because it's the same division and we know that doesn't happen that often uh and number seven is one because this would cost a lot probably more than the white Sox would be willing to pay but kettle Marte from the Ah. d-backs and the reason that would cost a lot is because there's still two club options on him so the Sox essentially are going to get a potential all-star middle infielder yeah. um, to have control over him for the next three seasons. Uh, you know, you're, you're, that's what, uh, that's what Rick Hahn looks for. I mean, we've seen it over and over again, team control. That's the yeah. deal he likes. So, so you're again here, you're talking like Jake Berg or Steve or probably mm. maybe a Gavin sheets or, uh, or, um, Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. You know, you're, but that's why I put that one at number seven. Um, But you never, I mean, you don't know, you don't know what the, I don't know what the, I do not are totally looking for. And and this, this is on my original list. And then uh, all that madness happened right before the lockout. And originally I had the Padres pegged as a trade partner because the Padres said they're, you know, they're in desperate need of a closer there. They've liked trading with you in the past. Yeah. So uh, worked out well for them. <laughs> it's worked out well for them. Um, <laughs> so uh, the problem is they traded away Frazier mm-hmm. uh, to the Seattle Mariners. Now the Sox, you know, all us Sox fans were hoping we, since they had Frazier, we were, we weren't coveting Frazier. We were coveting Jake Cronenworth. Uh, really solid numbers. Really like, very like well-rounded hitter be perfect for exactly what the white Sox needed need solid defender the question is i don't know I, i'm looking i was looking at the padres they don't have a they don't have a, they don't really have options there if if they move him so you know how important is it for them to get uh, a top line closer and then have to worry about filling the middle uh, you know a key position in the middle infield but to me, that's just that's not really number eight. That's just like a dark horse possibility. Yeah. So those are my solutions at second base via trade. That's a, there's a lot of options out there. I think any of those makes makes more sense than going the free agent route and moving. You know, asking a top free agent to stop playing shortstop as we discussed last week and just move over to second, where it's, he has lower value going forward. It may uh, suck. Yeah, may not, be, <laughs> I mean, may, not, may not be very good. You don't you don't move your face of your franchise, Tim Anderson, away from his preferred position. No, so, no. yeah, I, I like that. Those are those are all plausible. I think I think that is the most likely most likely direction for the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, uh, outside of you know, just giving Kimbrel back to the Cubs and Nick Madrigal coming back over. <laughs> 
Yes. Keep, and I dare to dream, White Sox. Well, fans. I just I just did that for a nice smooth segue for you. So well, I've got a better segue than that. I'll, I'll take that segue <laughs> and top it. Whoa! I saw the craziest stat go across Twitter this week, and it kind of blew my mind. I kind of don't know how to even process it. I need your help how to how to think about this, but. Uh, so one of the stat agencies uh, went through and realized that not only the Cubs and the White Sox in their last uh, 400 and, no 3,470 games, each of them have a 500 record exactly. 1,735 wins, 1,735 losses. Both teams, not only are they both five... Not only they both have the same record, they're both 500, which is just that's just the kind of crazy statistical anomaly that I cannot I can't hardly process. With, uh, I each out, with one world championship. Well, that's the thing. That this time. is this is roughly 20 years of baseball, 3470 games. Uh, so it's going back quite a ways to, to get this statistical anomaly to work out. But so, yes, that does include your 2000. Five World Series championship. It includes the the Cubs 2016 World Series championship. So, literally, they have the same record and the same number of championships over that time. So, that's that's just amazing. That, I think that's kind of a product of how much how much uh, how many games are played in baseball over a longer longer period of time. You can make things kind of work out any way you want. But I thought that was just fucking crazy. So you know, it was Jay. It was Jay Kuda who who pulled that. I don't know if you follow him. He I do he, now. He has. He's a White Sox fan. He just has crazy, crazy statistics. But he works for a real stat processing agency. It's not. It's not just him on his own. Is it? It's like Statcast, or I think he's part of Statcast or somebody. Oh, is that what he's? Some, okay. It's not Elias Sports Bureau, but it's one of those places. I I forgot what it was, but yeah. But he is a White he, Sox fan. Yeah, he well, at least on my feed, I always get like just a ton of of White Sox oh, okay. um, statistics out of him. So, and it's crazy. It's like crazy stuff. Like stuff, stuff. You know, definitely he's the guy. If you go on his feed, if you're looking like, oh, I wonder, this is kind of an odd stat or like that whole like in between the numbers sort of thing or what the what what the everyday statistics are and telling you about a player. He's probably posted it. Mm. So it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, it's like awesome free info for this podcast, you know, that we don't have to do all the legwork <laughs> on, on going to like Statcast and plugging in all this, all this criteria to spit out, to spit something out. So I think, I think the, what I take away from this uh, bizarre anomaly of statistical magic, you and I have been running this, this blog now a podcast for over 10 years we're approaching 12 years now on this so i think what that means is you and i have been arguing back and forth who's better who's worse you suck you suck we're the same we'll call it a draw <laughs> we're, we're identical yeah it's like the spider-man meme where they're just two spider-men pointing at each other <laughs> like we're, we're the same which is just just hard to hard to hard to imagine. We've definitely gone through different paths to get to the exact same point over the last twenty plus years, but here we are, Cubs and Sox fans. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, that that's the only way I can process that. But yeah, I mean, the argument of who's the better team is uh, kind of out the door yeah. at the moment. 
until the first game of the season, whenever that starts, and then we'll have well, we'll well, we'll have we'll have we'll have bragging rights at the end of this season. The Sox will. So yeah, we'll see about that. Well, this does transition us into a little bit of Cubs news, as uh, John Lester retired finally after uh, I forget how many seasons he was in the major leagues, but he spent. Uh, many glorious years in both Red Sox and Cubs uniforms. He ended his career uh, with the starting with the Washington Nationals, but he was actually traded to the St. Louis Cardinals by, at the trade deadline. So that's kind of a bizarre way. I don't think I even saw one of his starts in a Cardinals uniform, so I'm having a hard time even picturing him in a Cardinals uniform. Um, it's just kind of a strange thing right, how he could end his career, but... Uh, John Lester, I think you you have to we have to uh, really acknowledge his career not not only with the Cubs but his his baseball career in general, specifically with the Cubs. It has brought, been brought up, and I think you and I talked about this uh, probably a year ago when he uh, was not when it was revealed he would not be coming back to the Cubs for 2021. Kind of thinking of his you know kind of summarizing his Cubs career specifically and. The general consensus, and I, I think I agree with it. I'm not sure you do, but he is probably the best free agent signing in Chicago sports history. If it comes, if you break down all the sports, the the how impactful and how successful he was, uh, I don't think there's really anyone that comes close to John Lester. Is he in, Chi- his, in, in all of Chicago sports? Chi- all Chicago sports, yeah. We, we've done this exercise before, and I'm kind of blindsiding you again. You might not remember, but uh, you, you think about how he ushered in. His signing was part of the ushering in of the, the golden age of Cubs baseball. There's just no other way to, to state it. He gave legitimacy to the rebuilding plan that Theo Epstein and company had going forward when they were actually able to land someone like that to add – add depth and legitimacy to to a young Cubs roster that had some potential, but had up to that point had not done anything um, that coupled with the hiring of Joe Madden same off season that literally was the launch pad in 2015 to the NLCS that year, eventually the world series first world series in 108 years. You might remember. Um, uh, I do. I yeah. Do. That came up. A few I mean, times, but- we don't we don't have to debate that. I mean, it, oh, no, no, I would just say Marion Hosa is the greatest Chicago <laughs> signing in sports history. I think I think three three championships. I Thank think you, you brought that up there. But um, yeah, we could debate that. But he's in among the upper echelon, I would say. Um, the next question is and that that has come across everywhere as he announced his retirement last week last week is, is he a Hall of Famer? And that's going to transition us into our asshole of the week conversation about Hall of Fame voting. But I've I don't I've gotten to the point where I don't give a shit about Hall of Fame voting because it's such a clusterfuck and such a political bullshit enterprise. Um, So I don't really care, but I just kind of want to use this as a way to to praise and, uh, you know, give a proper punctuation to John Lester's career on this podcast, at least his. uh his res his Hall of Fame resume, and you'll see people writing about this uh, this week and and going forward, is really pinned on his postseason record. His his career ERA, uh, regular season ERA, is or for his whole entire career is three point six six, which is 
pretty respectable. It's not necessarily Hall of Fame worthy right there, but you can add in his 200 wins on the dot. He's 200 wins, 117 losses. Uh, that that pales in comparison to many Hall of Famers, but that's just not how the game is played anymore. Uh, you're never going to see another 300 game winner. So 200 is kind of becoming the threshold. And he happened to end his career right on the 200 win mark. But it's really his postseason career that that is uh, really shows you what what kind of pitcher he was and why he might be a Hall of Famer. Of course, he's a three time world champion. Twice with the Red Sox, once with the Cubs. Uh, you could argue the Cubs would be worth two World Series, considering the historic nature of it and the, uh, the seemingly improbable uh, um, possibility. Sure, okay. <laughs> this is where you're going to roll your eyes. But okay, yeah. Beyond that, his, uh, his postseason ERA uh, over 154 innings, which is approaching a, a whole season, is 2.51. Uh, with a low one whip uh, he had in the World Series specifically he was four and one with a 1.77 ERA with 34 strikeouts and uh, 34 strikeouts over three 35 and a third innings uh, whip below one in the World Series so when it mattered the most he got it done and and that's what all Certainly all Cubs and Red Sox fans remember is that you can thank John Lester for those world championships in many regards. So we don't have to settle that uh, today. And again, I don't really give a shit about Hall of Fame voting. It sounds like from the interviews I've seen, John Lester wouldn't mind being in the Hall of Fame, but he kind of doesn't give a shit either because I think he realizes what a what a political uh what a political entity the hall of fame is. And, you know, he was a nice guy. And so he's got a good shot in that regard, but I think that's nice guys. Nice guys get in. Asterisk Harold Baines. Yeah. I, I think that's bullshit as well. So I'm not going to lean on that, but I guess the question, the other bullshit question with the hall of fame, that's a little more fun to talk about is does he go in at, with a Red Sox logo on his hat or a Cubs logo on his hat? Well, I mean, that's decided by the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, what what would there are where? How do you think they would look at it? Uh, I, I've got my thoughts. I don't know if you had initial thoughts. If he should be a Red Sox or a Cub. I mean, do you, does he go in as a Red Sox? Because it was two worlds. Was it, it was two? Was it two World Series with the Red Sox? It was. Yeah. I mean, two thousand seven to two thousand thirteen. Um, the flip side of that is. Maybe he goes in as a Cub because there's not <laughs> that many, you know, there's not as many Cubs as there are Red Sox. In I don't the think they necessarily take that into account. Hall of I, Fame, but I mean, I, I that is that is really a tough call because I mean he was equally as valuable to both franchises. Yeah. That's that's why that is if, if you're if you're you know. If you're going a value standpoint, well, that's just a pick them. Yeah. Um, you, you can make great been, arguments on both sides. Yeah. And there's been some interesting, you know, cap choices that were, that were put on players, mm-hmm. you know, where you, they were more adored at their second location, but they went in on their, their first location. But I, I think, you know, again, he was equally welcomed at both. So, 
Yeah. So what's your argument? Because I'm interested to hear it because I'm just I'm just like stymied. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, that, that's why it's a fun question. And we're going to see this going forward, hopefully, if he does enter the Hall of Fame. But uh, I would love to have him in a Cubs Cubs C on that on that plaque in Cooperstown. Like you said, there aren't there aren't quite that many uh, Cubs in that facility right now um, compared to Red Sox. But I think he's got to be a Red Sox, um, mainly because he started his career there. He won two world championships there. He established his name, his brand there. He overcame cancer there. That's another thing. Um, it, it's it seems like you know, from a from a Chicago perspective, we think of him as a Cub, but he he's he's the quintessential Red Sox. So I think they will choose that. I don't know the criteria they go on if it's just if they literally are having debates like you and I are right now or how, how that works out. But I think it's going to be 51% Red Sox, 49% Cubs. I think, it, I think it's definitely close, but I could, I could definitely see him in Red Sox. Not that it's going to ruin my day when they announce that he's going to have a B on his hat instead of a C, but I thought it was, it was fun, fun to fun exercise to at least explore. But so it's bullshit, but so is everything associated with the bullshit or shows everything associated <laughs> with, with the Hall of Fame. Everything so, that's associated with bullshit is bullshit. Well, I kind of think of the Hall of Fame as just saying bullshit over and over again anyway. So that that actually transitions us well into our asshole of the week. What is your problem, you insensitive asshole? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. <laughs> Every time the Hall of Fame comes up, there seems to be more garbage, uh, more politics, more things that don't involve how good a, a player actually was. Uh, it comes seems to come down to how writers felt about a person, their emotions, not not their empirical empirical evaluation of those players, as we have seen many uh, be excluded from the Hall of Fame for various reasons, mo- many of which are that the writers simply didn't like the person. They will find reasons not to vote for that person. They will do uh, all sorts of mental gymnastics to find a way for other players they do like that suffer from the same flaws as players they don't like, but find a way to put those people that they like into the Hall of Fame. And we're seeing that once again this week. I think you you had a perfect example that you could run by us. Yeah, it seems that Big Poppy, uh, uh, a writer's darling. I guess, yes, for... Every, he's the world's darling. I love yeah. Poppy. I mean, uh, yeah, he's not the like. Yeah, he's a very jolly fella. He got shot uh, and came back from it. I mean, yeah, it's true. Dude's tough. You, know, you you better bring a bazooka to the fight with Poppy. Um, so, you know, he uh, had a PD problem. He was linked to PEDs, but he was linked to. He has the same link to PEDs as Sammy Sosa does. Uh, it's probably more evidence against Barry Bonds and. Uh, Roger Clemens, players of an A Rod and people like that who have actually some uh, A Rod actually admitted it. Um, well, A Rod admitted it and then actually tested after it was a rule too. I mean, A Rod's got A Rod's got a, a few blemishes against too, his but... his 
but Big Poppy, as you said, emerged on the Mitchell report, uh, which was not supposed to be leaked to anyone. It was uh, testing, PED testing before there was a rule against it. Those names were never supposed to be leaked, but of course they were leaked. Uh, and that is the evidence that many writers have used against players of the 90s and 2000s uh, to keep them out of the Hall of Fame with their moral standing clause. Um, so now, yeah, like you said, now voters are choosing to vote for their, their buddy, Big Poppy and not for other players. Yeah. And, and, you know, in particular, you know, Barry Bonds and Roger the, Clement, the, 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 the greatest pitcher and batter maybe in baseball history. If you look at their stats. Yeah. And, and, and if you look at Bond stats and I, we, I've probably brought this up before, I mean, Long, long before steroids. I mean, he was a hall like, of famer. He was a hall of famer. He, 90, I think he had, he was like the only, still the only person to be in the 300 home run, 300 and steals club. That was in 1996. Yes. That was 1996. Years. Yes. He's the only player in the 500, 500 club. Yeah. So, uh, uh it's I not mean, a in question. 19, in 1990, his, uh, with the, with the fucking pirates, his war was 9.9. <laughs> That season, in, 90, in, the Hall of Fame. in the 1993 with the Giants, it was a 10.5 war in his first season. You know, if you're looking at that, all of a sudden 96 rolls around and and everyone's getting larger. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the biggest hypocrisy going out there. And what makes it more frustrating is now the the thing to do on Twitter is have these writers go ahead and post who they voted for. Yeah. That's, and that's... I have to be honest, when I see David Ortiz checked, and I don't see Barry Bonds, I don't see Roger Clemens, I have you know, been calling these guys out. Uh, I think we should call them assholes, <laughs> specifically. I, yeah. And the last, the last shred of uh, like where the voting was at, I saw, is Poppy was at like 86%. And Bonds is at 78%. It's 75% to get in. So likely of Bonds getting in is probably pretty low because I'm sure they haven't counted all the all the absent votes for him um, mm. on those ballots yet. So he's right on he's right on the edge there. I mean well, but but your point though is any I mean wh whatever the collective figures out, I mean the idea that Barry Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame is still ridiculous to me when you are voting for uh, P other PED people or people we'll never know that this whole era, this is, this is the murkiness and this is the, the tragedy and everything else associated with, with PEDs. We will never know. So for, for writers to be making value judgments, uh, not on statistics, basically on their emotions is ridiculous. And this is, this is really why I've checked out of the whole hall of fame in general, the voting process, the celebrations, all of it. I'm out. I, I'm just not interested because these fucking writers aren't looking at things empirically. And that, no. that, that is what it should be. Yeah. So I think it's a perfect position to take since we'll never know. Well, we have evidence. Uh, Poppy is on that. That's, you know, it's, it's a fairly, it's not the, the biggest uh, mountain of evidence against him, but there is evidence and that many writers have used that against him. So how do you use that against against other PED offenders, but not big poppy makes you a fucking ass. Yeah. And right now, I mean, he, he could be a first, 
hall. He could be a first, first ballot, ballot. Hall, of, hall of Famer at this point. Yeah, which is even crazier. Well, I think I think his resume speaks to. It. I mean, his his boy. I mean, his. Yeah, I was talking about John Lester earlier about his postseason performance. I mean, Big Big Poppy is probably the mo- one of the more clutch hitters in postseason history. You just see it over and over again. Unfortunately, I should be biased against that motherfucker because the 20, 2013 ALCS, uh, Big Poppy hit a grand slam off Joaquin Benoit, where the Tory Hunter flips over the bullpen wall and that goddamn cop is celebrating in the bullpen. That is one of the quintessential Big Poppy moments that changed that series. That is the reason the Tigers did not win the World Series that year, as they were going to go up 2 nothing in that series in Boston and go back to Detroit, only needing to win two. And we're going to mow down the, the NL's opponent in the World Series. And so I have all the reasons to be against Big Poppy, and I am not in this regard at all. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But if he's in the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, even as I don't want to see it, A-Rod, they all need to be in the fucking Hall of Fame. And I think you had a specific example in Chicago of a Chicago writer you wanted to, you wanted to point out who who has fallen, fallen prey to this emotional argument. Yeah, I mean, Dave, David David Hall, who's on the Molly and Hall show in the morning and also a writer for the Chicago Tribune, posted his ballot, and he had... Uh, um, Big Poppy checked off, and no one else who was linked to PEDs that you know that no one who is publicly linked to PEDs Correct. checked off on his ballot. And I, I just told him, you know, I just replied back to him, not voting for bonds is it should be considered criminal. <laughs> and you, you, I don't know if it's criminal, but it's it's, it's, it's fucking it's, criminal, it's folks. It's fucking criminal. <laughs> he should be arrested. I mean, we're we're we're, we're again we're. We're holding, we continue to hold baseball players some up to this standard of if they weren't friendly to me when I requested an interview, I don't care what their stats are. I'm not going to vote for them. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I mean, think about, think about, uh, as much as I I like to, uh, give, uh, give you Cubs fans shit about Ron Santo. He had better third base numbers than 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 half the guys who were in the Hall of Fame at third base, but he was a dick to reporters. Yep. And so they waited till after he fucking died to put him in. Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, if that's not bitterness, I I don't know what is. I mean wow. And the fact that that you know that that something that is probably could be important to a lot of players, like giving them that distinguishing mark, like honoring their entire career, is held in the hands of basically man children. Mm-hmm. Is 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 sad. Yeah. It really is. And I'm with you. Like when I see someone vote into the Hall of Fame, like I, you know, when when it seems justified, I'm happy. You know, Frank Thomas got in on first ballot, should have. You know, so. But then, like, I love Harold Baines. Harold Baines is a great guy, but I will always bring this up. He doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. No. You know? He's a great guy. Yeah, that's a whole other argument there. But... Yeah. I mean, he played He played three seasons too long and still couldn't get to that 3,000th hit. So, I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like, it's just, yeah. it's just all so silly. 
the Hall of Fame has made fools of themselves for years now, and this is why I feel like we probably spent more more time than we need to on this subject because I, I I don't want to belabor the point, but I think it's safe to say we can call anyone who voted for David Ortiz, but not other people on the Mitchell Report or with ties to PEDs. There are our assholes of the week. Boom. Boom. So that wraps up episode 91, unless you had other things you wanted to discuss. Nah, it's not there. We're not playing games, so there's nothing I forgot. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, you know, usually when games are going there's, on, there's so much stuff coming at me. There's lots to process. I, I can I always, you know, have that extra caveat. Oh, I forgot to talk about this during this segment at the end. But well, hopefully we have that issue with our own mental capacity going forward soon uh, where we are forgetting things because so much is happening in the world of baseball, particularly every day as games are being played. But we will see. We will be chronicling that. Uh, probably in two weeks, I think we'll have some more news as we get into February with the lockout situation, the owner's lockout situation. Uh, in the meantime, you can catch us on social media at Major League Gayholes. You can find us on the web at MajorLeagueAholes.com. You can find our merchandise at Aesthetics.shop. And you can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So with that, I'm going to say this podcast is over. Peace. Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time. S-S-H-O-L-E, everybody, A-S-S-H-O-L-E. And I'm proud of it. Word Hall Media.